Would you turn, please, this evening to Scripture that we've looked at again, 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Let's pray, and then we'll read, get into the Word tonight. Release your faith with me. Believe with me. Father, we thank you for your holy written Word. It is life to us. It is health and medicine to all of our flesh. How precious your word is to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We acknowledge and reverence our great teacher, the Holy Spirit, whom you've sent to indwell us and to be our guide. We ask you and believe you now to give us all ears to hear, eyes that see, and a heart open and receptive. Thank you for good utterance. Thank you for bringing out exactly what you would and showing us Everything that you would that should be changed or added to or, or left off or what would please you the most, we're believing you and asking you. And we thank you that by your grace we'll not be forgetful hearers or hearers only, but we are and shall be doers, livers, practicers of the word. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians 6. First Corinthians 6 verse 19. 619, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Is your body yours to do with as you see fit? Or does it belong to the Lord? Should he have uh, something to say? And a right to say, how he wants you to be and what he wants you to do with your body, what he does not want you to do with your body. Now, previous verses, he talked at length about uh, not using your body for fornication. We live in a world that's deceived and confused. And they'll tell you, well, you know, God gave us a sex drive And that's what these bodies are for. No, the Bible very plainly, just a few verses back, said the body is not for fornication. But it is for the Lord. Amen. My body is first and foremost made and exists to serve the Lord. Is that right? That's why I have eyes to see for the Lord. That's why I have ears to hear for the Lord. Right? So I have a tongue. I shouldn't use my tongue to hurt people or to curse or to blaspheme God. I should use my tongue to tell you about God, about his word. What should you use your tongue for? Same thing. Tell people about God. Amen. Be a good witness. Speak blessing and not cursing. My hands. I shouldn't use my hands to roll them up in a fist and break your nose. But to open it up and lay hands on you. Right? Much better use of a hand. Right? Shouldn't use my foot to kick you. But use my foot to walk and go places and do the work of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everything that we are and everything that we do, we should do unto the Lord. And to His glory. And unto His service. Everything, All things were created by Him. And for His pleasure. Right? They are created. Amen. Say it out loud. I delight to do God's will. And I do always those things that please Him. Now that, that's with your body, 
with your mind, with your spirit, with your mouth, with your money, with your talents. Verse 20 said, for you are bought with a price. Bought and paid for. Hmm? Well, when you buy your car and pay for it, whose car do you think that is? Yeah. Well, well, the Lord bought and paid for you, didn't he? You belong to him. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. How many believe you that the list goes on there? And in your finances and in your marriage and in your job, right? Well, turn over to the ninth chapter, please. First Corinthians nine. First Corinthians nine twenty seven. Nine twenty seven. He said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway, or other translations say disqualified. Now here is a man, the Apostle Paul, who knows God well, who has had visions of the Lord Jesus, been caught up to the third heaven, got revelation that fills much of the New Testament, and yet he says, with all this faith and with all this anointing, with all this revelation, he said, I have to keep this body under control. Because if I don't, I could wind up rejected and disqualified. Well, then that means all of us have to control this body. Right? Because if you don't, it can disqualify you. It can rob you. If you, if you, if you don't control your flesh, it can cost you your, your health. It can cost you your sanity. It can cost you your marriage. It can cost you your honor, your credibility, your ministry. Right? If you don't control your body. Now here's what we must understand. When we were born again, it was the man on the inside that was recreated. Not the man on the outside. Right? The day after you got saved. The day after. Inside, you're a new man in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. New creation. New creature. But outside, same body you had before you got saved. Right? Body with the same nature as Joe Sinner down the street that hadn't got saved. Right? And your body will want to do some of the same things it did before you got saved. People don't want to talk about this. But friend, it wasn't your body that got recreated. Right? If you looked in the mirror... The day after you got saved, you noticed that you looked very much like you did the day before. Now, you felt differently, and you're different on the inside, but the outside, you are the same. And that's why you must, uh, the man on the inside, like he said, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Then the man on the inside, the recreated man, must control the outer man. Right? All of its appetites, all of its desires, even the most holy man or woman of God has found thoughts or feelings that have come to them that were not right and not holy and not pure. And even even the most committed man or woman of God has been pulled and been tempted 
with things concerning their flesh. But here's the thing, friend. It is not a sin to be tempted. Did you hear me? Jesus was tempted. I think that's something many Christians don't think about. Was Jesus ever tempted? The Bible, the scripture said he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. What does that mean? He controlled himself, didn't he? He didn't give in to the temptation. He was tempted. For instance, in the, uh, you know, when he was out in the wilderness for the 40 days and nights. And the enemy said, if you be the son of God, command these stones that they be made into bread. Was he tempted to do that? Hmm? Sometimes people don't like to think about this. Was he tempted to do that? The Bible said he'd been out there for 40 days and hadn't eaten and he was hungry. Very hungry. Was he tempted to do that? Was, he pu- was his flesh pulling on him? Yeah. But was he, was he able to control his flesh? I said, No. You're hungry, it's okay to eat, but you're not supposed to be led by the devil. Is that right? Now, you know, uh, let's, let's look at this just a minute further. Go back to the 8th chapter here. No, no, where, where were you to start with? 9? Go back to 6. Go back to six where you were. Let's let's do it like this. Six and verse 11. He had talked about, uh, verse 9 talked about people who are fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind. That's homosexuality. Thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. Verse 11. And such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Not just forgiven, cleansed. Washed. Amen. Made pure and holy. What was powerful enough to do that? The blood of the Lamb. All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient or profitable. All things are lawful for me, but what? I will not be brought under the power of any. Did you hear that? I will not be brought under the power of any. Now see, that's the thing. Is it a sin to eat when you're hungry? No, it's not. But is it wrong to be out of control? Yes, it is. Can you not see this has been the undercurring uh, theme throughout this entire teaching is about being in control of the flesh. Right? It's not about losing a few pounds or a lot of pounds or, or gaining some if you want to gain or, you know, not just not eating cookies or Coke. It's actually can be more challenging to eat a half cookie. Than no cookies. Is that right? <laughs> Somebody said, why'd you go there, Brother Keith? Now you got to be honest with yourself. And if you can't handle half a cookie, then you just stay away from the cookies for now. 
Right? But you want to get to the place where you can eat one bite out of the cookie and throw it away. Somebody said, oh, that's wasteful. Now, that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) So glad you mentioned that. Because we got to talk to you about that. This cleaning the plate thing. You must get delivered. Hmm? You must get delivered from cleaning the plate. Why do you have to clean the plate? Why do you have to clean the plate? Anything in the Bible about cleaning the plate? Hmm? So well, you said uh, concerning, you know, the feeding of the multitude and loaves and fishes, gather up the fragments. He didn't say eat all the fragments. <laughs> Nothing said about eating the 12 baskets left over. In all likelihood, that was that little boy's harvest. Off of the seed, it probably belonged to him. It was his seed. But nothing was said about one person, you know, eating all that. No, no. It's a poverty spirit. Let's get delivered from this. Now, this is another message, but I need to touch on it right now. Maybe we'll come back to it later. But listen, you say, well, I I went out to the restaurant. Man, I paid good money for that plate. I can't leave half of that on the plate. Yes, you can. I said, yes, you can. Boy. Let me go over here. Mrs. <laughs> so man, I paid I paid twenty dollars for that. I can't leave part of that on the plate. Well, and with some folk, it shows. <laughs> you hadn't left anything on a plate in decades. And everybody can tell. It is a poverty spirit. Did you hear me? Got to rinse the shampoo bottle out. Five times. Might be a little shampoo left in the bottle. Got to rinse it out. Got to save all the uh, margarine bowls. And they got three cabinets full of them. But can't throw one away. Oh, you need, you might need it. Might come in here. Yeah. Yeah. Poverty spirit. I said a poverty spirit. Some things you ought to do to just help break yourself. I mean, have three quarters of a nice thing on your, on your plate and just leave it. That hurts me. I know. Do it. Do it. Wasteful. Is it wasteful now? Is it wasteful? Or is it abusive to the temple of God? When you stuff yourself and you were full ten minutes ago. Because you're afraid you paid, 
you know, a little money for this and you can't leave it on the plate. Poverty, 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 get rid of it. I said, get rid of it. You know how many fish there are in the ocean? Huh? You know how many tons of fish they throw away at the fish market every day? Tons. You know how many metric tons and tons of vegetables and fruits they throw away? They just throw away and you can't leave a half of a catfish on your plate? Somebody say, yes, I can. And I will. That's right. Leave it. Go up. That's it. I'm done. It's about controlling the flesh. Right? Knowing when to stop. Brother Kenneth Copeland talks about this uh, with Miss Gloria. He had a lot of trouble with his flesh in the beginning days of his ministry. If you've heard him talk, he was... uh, he was pretty heavy. And he said, man, he just had no control. He said part of his deal, he said uh, some of his kinfolks, his grandma, would make uh, pies. And she'd make one pie special for baby. Well, he was baby. And baby didn't get a piece. Baby got his own pie. And he said he'd go by the bread store and, and then have a hot bread. He'd take a loaf of bread. And just call out the middle and stick a stick of butter down in it. And eat it. And then eat another one. And just no control. Just, you know, just. And he said, Miss Gloria. He said, she can take a bite off of a Snickers bar. One bite. Roll the wrapper back up. Pin it and put it in the cabinet. Come by four days later. Get another bite. One bite. Roll it up. Everybody say control. 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 Is that the will of God for us? Have this flesh in control. Amen. Amen. We're not slaves to our appetite. We're not servants to our desire. There's a lot of things that in and of itself is not a sin. But a lot of things are not profitable either at that particular time and place. And we will not be brought under the power of anything or any food. Amen? Amen. Right? Or any drink or any drug. I mean, if methamphetamines or, or heroin is running your life, then Jesus is not. Did you hear me? If you serve crack, you're not serving Jesus. Is that right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I mean, understand, somebody is addicted to heroin full out. I mean, that's their God. Do anything to serve it. Right? Well, then you're not serving God. How many are so glad Jesus has come and he set us free? And we don't have to serve sin. We don't have to serve drugs. We don't have to serve drink. We don't have to serve a sexual desire. We don't have to serve food. We serve Jesus. And He's given us control over our flesh, over our desires. It's freedom. I said it's freedom. And we can control and possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. Helps you keep and maintain your honor, doesn't it? People don't respect you when you have no control. 
Have you noticed that? You guys respect me, but I could lose respect quickly with you. If I came in here and said, well, you know, I had two affairs last month. I'm sorry, but I just had such strong desires. What could that hurt me? In the people's eyes, your eyes. You're going to look at me, and if I come in six months later and say, well, I blew it again, I'm sorry. But two more affairs. Would that affect your respect for me? It would. Right? No matter what we might try to say. And if I come and say I'm sorry. And I'm I'm sincere. And I repent. It's still going to affect. You can say you forgive me. We can say let's try to get by it. But it is going. You are going to respect me less. And it's no different with you. Did you hear me? It will cost you in your honor and your respect if you don't control your appetites and if you don't control your desires. That's why even the Apostle Paul, with all the knowledge and faith and anointing that he had, he said, I, myself, I've got to keep this body under control. Or else I could become disqualified to do what I do. But thank God, I don't go to bed in fear that I'm going to blow it. I don't lose any sleep. Thinking, man, I hope I don't mess up. Man, I hope I don't mess up. No. Faith is a rest. And I know greater is he that's in me and he that's in the world. Amen. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Said out loud, I can. Keep my body under control. I am not a servant to sin. I am not a slave to my desires or my feelings. I'm in control in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's good to be in control instead of out of control. Can say no. Right? Can say no. Well, how about another one of these? No, no, thank you. That's enough. Aren't you going to finish that? No, thank you. I've had enough. Don't you want a drink? No, thank you. How about a toke? No, thank you. You want to snort? No. In control. Amen? No. In control. Now, let's go on today, this evening, I should say, to touch on something else. If you haven't been with us, we're in the middle of a series, and we talked about grace and faith. And we've also been talking about vision and desire. Let's go on to talk about a further note about vision and desire. Go to Isaiah, the 62nd chapter, please. Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62 and verse 10. Let me read verse 4 before I do that. This is a wonderful verse. Help set you up for that next one. Verse 4 says, You shall no more be termed forsaken, neither shall your land any more be termed desolate, but you shall be called Hephzibah. That means uh, 
My delight is in her. And your land, Beulah, that means married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. Does the Lord delight in us? Are we part of the bride of Christ here at this church? Yes, we are. Are we married? Do we have a husband? Does he delight in us? Like, oh, thank God. He delights in us. Say it out loud. He delights in us. God thinks about Faith Life Church. He smiles. And other churches too. Verse 10. Go through. Go through the gates. Prepare you the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the high way. Everybody say highway. Highway. Gather out the stones. Lift up a standard for the people. Did you hear that phrase? Lift up a standard for the people. Say it out loud. Lift up a standard for the people. Let's say that two more times. Lift up a standard for the people. Once again. Lift up a standard for the people. If you study the New Testament, we, we were reading there in Second Thessalonians during offering time. About being an example. Do you remember other places in the, in the scriptures, New Testament, that talk about being an example? They're numerous. Be an example of the believer. In, in love and purity and faith and uh, etc. Be an example. Paul talked about being an example for people to follow. And he exhorted the elders, be examples. Are you and I to be examples? In every area. We are. People are watching us, aren't they? Our, our family members are watching us. Our relatives are watching us. Our neighbors are watching us. Our co-workers on the job are watching us. And we are to set the standard in front of them for how somebody ought to live. Is that right? Now, when, when you talk about this, people usually take a... Uh, I don't know, a little bit of a mournful tone. <laughs> when you say, you know, we, we're supposed to be example, people go, yeah, we're supposed to be. <laughs> that kind of sounds defeated, don't it? Yeah. Sounds like you, you're not being, <laughs> and you know you're not. Do you know what that is? That's condemnation. And condemnation does not work. Condemnation doesn't produce results. Condemnation destroys your faith. Oh, it's a terrible thing. Oh, it's an awful thing. One of the worst things could happen to you is condemnation, being in guilt and in shame. You can't be an overcomer. Your faith won't work. 1 John 3 said, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. If our heart doesn't condemn us. What if your heart does condemn you? Then you don't have confidence toward God and you don't receive what you ask. This is one of the biggest problems in the church. 
without question, one of the biggest problems, and one of the biggest problems individually with people, why they don't uh, get results. Guilt, shame, embarrassment. No, friend, it's not, yeah, we ought to be a good example. We ought to do better. Do you hear the tone of that? Now, see, we, we've heard that so much. I grew up hearing that in church. Supposed to live right in front of people on the job. You know you're not supposed to do that. You know you're supposed to do this. You know. Everybody goes, amen. Sad but true. Help, Lord. You got to quit that sinning. You got to live right in front of people. Else they won't know. Yeah. And people will feel bad in mass. They will feel bad and they will leave and they will not change. Did you hear me? And they'll come back next week and feel bad some more. And leave and not change. Not change. Condemnation does not work. Condemnation is not the will of God. Faith works. Amen. So what, what I'm saying, you've got to hear the word in faith instead of hearing it in condemnation. You've got to hear the word in righteousness consciousness instead of hearing it in sin consciousness. It's amazing how people can read. They can read 50 chapters and all they get out of 50 chapters is they find two verses that said, Whoa, whoa, whoa under thee. And they focus on that and, and not see anything else. Right? And if you're a child of God, walking with God, the woe doesn't even apply to you. He wasn't even talking to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, we're, we're supposed to be examples. We're supposed to hold the standard. We're supposed to go, Yeah. And we can. And we are. And we will. We are and we'll hold it higher. Amen. Believing that God will help us. Believing that we love him enough to commit and follow through. And that he loves us enough to grace us and strengthen us and show us. And and we know we don't have to get it all figured out by the end of the week. And and if we fail, uh, come short in some area, we won't quit. We'll just Step up and ask God to help us better next time and, and we'll get it. Amen. And we'll stay with it until we get it. Yeah. Right? Amen. If we're not fully there in six months, so. Or a year or five. God looks at the heart. Doesn't he? Everybody say lift up a standard. Do you know what the standard is? The standard is perfection. Everybody say perfection. Perfection. Now when you say that word. A lot of folk think. Unattainable. Well Jesus was perfect. Only perfect man that, that ever lived. Wrong. I said wrong. Boy, y'all got quiet on that one. 
Now you got your theories and your opinions and people's preaching and then you got the Bible. Right? Does the Bible refer to anybody else as perfect? Yeah. Noah. Job. Right? Several others. The word perfect is used. Is that right? Okay, let's, let's study some scripture then. Go with me please. To Luke. Well, I tell you, go to Matthew 5 and then Luke 6. We'll do it that way. Matthew 5. And verse, let's see, 48. Matthew 5, 48. Who's talking here? Jesus. What did Jesus tell us? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Did the Lord tell us to do something? Are we to assume that he was mistaken about us being able to do this? Huh? And ignore this verse because everybody knows that nobody's perfect. Huh? Can you see where so much of the church is at? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you talk about getting some strong amen and you preach on about everybody's not perfect. You go, well, nobody's perfect. Folks go, amen. Sad but true. Ain't nobody perfect. Well, that's right. Are we saying nobody is listening to Jesus on this verse? Are we saying he's unreasonable? The Lord is not unreasonable. All he asks is perfection. <laughs> both of those statements are true. I said both of those statements are true. If you think perfection is unreasonable, then you're, you're setting your intellect above what he said. What we must have is mind renewal. Right? So that instead of thinking like traditional and religious ungodly man thinks, we must say, well, Lord, what is he talking about when he says perfection? What does he mean? And believe, even before we know what it means, believe if he told us to do it, we can do it. He wouldn't have told us to do something we can't do. Right? So whatever it means, I must be able to do it. Because he told me to do it and to be it. Go to Luke 6 quickly. I love faith, don't you? Faith doesn't have to see how or understand. It just says, okay. If you say we can do it, we can do it. Here we go. He already knew he's got to help us and hold us by the hand every step of the way. He already knew that and already committed to do that. Not just hold our hand, but actually get inside of us. Help us every waking moment, sleeping moment too. Luke 6, 40. 6, 40. The disciple is not above his master. 
You sure wouldn't get anybody to disagree on that one. They go, oh boy, that, yeah, amen. So who is going to excel Jesus in pleasing the Father? And no, nobody's going to excel him. But, what? But everyone that is what? Perfect shall be as his master. 1 John 2.6, if you remember. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. Reaching, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Is that not what he's talking about? What's he talking about? What is the mark? What is the bullseye? What, what is perfection? Being like Jesus. Being just like Jesus. Amen? I've actually, we've actually had people try to criticize us and go, well, well, Brother Keith is trying to be just like Jesus. Well, yeah. I thought that was the plan. <laughs> right? He thinks he can act just like Jesus. I sure do. If you're not trying to be like Jesus, who are you trying to be like? Right? Don't take any man or woman, no matter what kind of man or woman of God they may be, or how lovely or committed or wonderful they may be, don't take any man or woman of God and set them up as your total example. You're shooting too low. Did you hear me? If you want to be like them, it's because to some degree they're like him. So go ahead and lift your eyes on up. Amen. And set your heart to be like Jesus. Every day and every night. Somebody says, well, I don't think I was 100% like Jesus today. Well, thank God for the blood and thank God for tomorrow. And you don't. Go back to your room and fall across your, your, your bed and you cry and go, well, I'm just not like Jesus. I'm so, fall so short of being like Jesus. That does not please him. Actually can irritate him. Cause it is unbelief. I said it's unbelief. Laying there going, well, I've fallen so short and I've come so far and I just, I can't seem to do it and I just don't know what to do. You know, now that might have worked with grandma. You come in and act pitiful. And she'll go, oh, baby, it'll be all right. And here, let me give you some pie. <laughs> but it doesn't work with Jesus. Remember Moses at the burning bush? He said, God, you don't want me. I can't talk. And I'm 80 years old. You don't want me. Don't send me. You don't want me. And the Lord said, you're so humble. That's what I like about you. Huh? Know what the Bible say? It made him angry. It's insulting. Don't you think God knew how old he was before he talked to him? Don't you think God knew how well he could talk or couldn't talk? Knows, he knows more what you can't do than you do. Right? He knows better where you've come short than you know. 
And if he still calls you to do something, he's honoring you. I said he's honoring you. Well, I can't do it without your help. You think he don't know that? (laughs) You can't blink your eyes without his help if you hadn't found that out yet. No, you don't go, well, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm uneducated and, and, and I'm getting older now and I, I just, I don't know anybody and, and I, I just don't know. You'll aggravate him. I said, you'll irritate him. He hasn't changed. You can anger him with that kind of stuff. That's not humility. It's not true humility. It's a false humility. Actually, it's, it's being proud of how humble you think you are. Yeah. That's another message. Yeah. It is, though. It's a false humility. It's not, it's not real humility at all. You must respond and go, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You will use me. Thank you. How many understand God is smart? He already knows everything it's going to take to use you. He's already figured it all out. He knows what he's going to have to teach you and how he's going to have to add to you and hold your hand and what he already knows. He's already got it planned. He's waiting for somebody to step up and say, thank you. Thank you. You honor me, Lord, by using me like this. I receive it. I'll do the best I know. I know you'll help me. Thank you. Amen. No poor mouthing. No false humility. No self-degradation. No condemnation. No guilt. We've been made clean. We've been made righteous. We've got the greater one. Got the name of Jesus. Amen. We're overcomers. More than conquerors. We're not a bunch of we can'ts. We can. Do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Say I can. With God's help. I can. I can. I can. Don't you like that? Yes. It's Bible. Yes. Can you be perfect? Yes. Let me ask you that again, give you a chance to respond. <laughs> can you do what he's told you to do in this verse? Yes. Can you be like your master? Yes. He was perfect. Mm-hmm. Now, now go with me back in the Old Testament to a couple of scriptures and we'll, we'll begin to see some things. Let's see. First Chronicles. No, excuse me. There is a passage in First Chronicles, but for time's sake, Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, the twenty-fifth uh, chapter. Second Chronicles, twenty-five. Oh, this is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Set you free, free, free. Second Chronicles 25. Now this is a, as you can see, this is a subject within itself. You could teach a series on Bible perfection. But just to make this very to the point, in Second Chronicles, the 25th chapter, we see an example of perfection. And also in the 15th chapter, we're going to go back there and look. Second Chronicles 25. Are you there? Verse 1. Second Chronicles 25, 1. Amaziah 
was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoaddan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But not with a perfect heart. Did you hear that? Now when we're talking about perfection. We are not talking about perfection of flesh. We are not talking about perfection of mentality. Or perfection of knowledge. Or perfection of understanding. The great apostle Paul. After many years of walking with God said we know in part. Right? And you don't know perfectly or completely down here. The flesh is not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Even babies when they're born. And somebody says, well, you know, how's the, how's the baby? Oh, he's perfect. Well, not really. Not technically. If you'd put a microscope on him, you'd find one eye is a little bit bigger than the other. Right? Uh, organs sometimes a little bit this or skewed or that. But what we call perfect is good operating condition. But everything in this earth has been skewed and altered by the curse. It has. Everything in the, in the earth has been affected by the curse. Thank God soon and very soon. The Lord's going to fix this thing. Amen. And then all of creation will be perfect. Literally. Every bloom, every leaf. Every pebble, everything will be perfect. Won't that be amazing? No deformities, nothing missing or misshapen or wrong. So when he's talking about perfection, be perfect as your father is perfect. He that's as his master will be perfect. He's not talking about perfection of flesh. Is it possible to do the right thing? And yet your heart is not right. Yes it is. Go back to the 15th chapter. Of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 15. And 16. This is concerning. uh, King Asa. Well, let me read verse 15. 2 Chronicles 15, 15. King Asa is leading the people back to God. And they're having a great time of revival and, and blessing. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath. For they had sworn with what? All their heart. And sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Maacah, the mother of Asa, the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol, that's mama's idol, and stamped it and burned it at the brook Kydron. So he was on fire for God, wasn't he? I mean, he was, he going to serve God no matter what anybody thought. But, everybody say but. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Should that have been done too? Yes, it should have been. But notice what it said. Nevertheless, the what? The heart of Asa was what? Perfect 
all his days. Is it possible to make some mistakes and yet your heart is perfect? Yes, it is. I wanted you to see these two contrasts here. It's possible to do the right thing and yet your heart's not right. It's possible to make mistakes and yet your heart was right. And what does God look at? He's looking at the heart. He's not looking at perfection of performance. He's not looking at perfection of flesh. We're talking about reaching your physical goals. And you might think, well, I want to be a size such and such. Or I want to see a number on the scale. Or, you know, such and such. And and then I'll be perfect. (laughs) This flesh... Changes every day. Right? Perfection of flesh. But what's going to make your body perfect? Not perfect technically in and of itself, but that which fully satisfies your heart. If you're satisfied in your heart that your body is where it ought to be and is pleasing the Lord, then you're at perfection. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? When something completely satisfies your heart. We're talking about perfection of heart. Can you see that enough? Let me give you some more scriptures to drive this home. Don't turn to these. But in the, the Bible said, First uh, Kings 8 says, let your heart be perfect with the Lord. Psalm 101, 2 says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. That's why Noah was called a perfect man. We know more, Noah made mistakes, but his heart was perfect. Job was called a perfect man. At the end of Job, he had to repent before God big time about things he had said and done, and yet the Bible called him perfect. Why? Because of his heart. I said his heart. And friend, that is the big thing about you and me. It's the heart. As a pastor, as an overseer of a ministry, that's my big thing about anybody that does anything in the church or anybody that does anything in the ministry. That's, that's the big thing on my heart. You know, if somebody misses a note on the piano, that's not the big deal. If they got lost during a chord chart, I have too. But if they come up here and they hit every note perfect, but they don't really want to be there, that's not okay. Act like they're doing us a favor by showing up instead of playing unto the Lord. Their heart is not in it. Doing it to show off. Listen to this hot lick. Whew. Am I good or what? And, and the heart is focusing on that instead of unto the Lord. That's a problem. I said, that's a problem. And I don't care how good you are. That doesn't make up for a heart problem. Did you, I don't care how sharp you are, how eloquent you are, how many scriptures you can quote, how long you can pray in tongues, how many notes you can hit. If your heart's not right, you're disqualified. Did you hear me? 
We've had numerous folk over the years come and volunteer for stuff or want to do this or that. And I was open. They were supremely talented. But they want to show up when they want to and leave when they want to and want special dispensation about everything. Well, see, that's not just about disrespecting us. That's disrespecting the Lord. That's saying the other stuff in your life is more important than this. And that's wrong. God is number one in your heart and with your time and with your talents. And things must be done from the heart towards God with no reservation in the heart. Nothing held back. If you, if you did something for the church, you did something for us, you did something for the ministry, and you came a little short of it. The thing I want to know is did you give it all you had inside? If you gave it all you had inside, I'm going to be happy with you. Even if you came short on the outside. Did you hear me? And I believe the Lord is. I can see it in the scripture. Go to the 16th chapter of, of Second Chronicles. This is a very well known passage here. And you see uh, how it ties in with the rest of this. Second Chronicles. 16. Anybody got any verses marked in the 16th chapter? You got the ninth verse marked? It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's scanning the earth. What's he scanning the earth for? He has a desire to show himself strong. He wants to manifest his power and manifest his goodness and blessing on behalf of who? Huh? Those who are perfect in knowledge? No. Those who've attained perfection of the flesh? Perfection of performance? No, no. Those what? Those whose heart is perfect toward him. Someone says, well, I, I try, but I, I don't know if I can have a pro-. Listen, it's, it's not something beyond your control. Another translation renders it like this. Those who are wholehearted. Wholehearted. See, no, no reservation. Nothing held back. We gave God our all. Did the very best we knew. Amen. Didn't the Lord say in Revelation... He talked about people who had left their first love, didn't he? How that was displeasing to him. He talked about people that had cooled off and they they weren't cold and they weren't hot. Now they were lukewarm. What does that mean? What does lukewarm represent? Partial commitment, partial involvement. What did he say? I, I would rather you would be cold. Right? Sure, surely he wouldn't rather you be cold than lukewarm. Do <laughs> you remember what he said? I'll tell you what you'll find this about the Lord. He doesn't want you playing with things. Get in or get out. Right? Do it or don't. 
Don't, don't poor mouth. Don't whine. Don't, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we can. No, you can do what you decide to do. Well, we were intending to, but we forgot. Forgetting is not an excuse. All you just got through telling me is this was so unimportant to you and such a low priority to you that you didn't remember it. You remember what's important to you. Everybody does. If it's, if it's important to you, you're not going to forget it. No. God's scanning the whole earth. wonder if his scanner passes through Missouri. What's he looking for? Scanning. Beep. There was a blip. Beep. It's Faith Life Church. <laughs> and other churches too. People whose hearts are perfect. What does that mean? Wholehearted. Man, if we come short, it's not because of not trying. If we didn't get it quite right, it's not because we, we just, just, you know, played. We did what we knew to do. We gave, we moved, we worked, we gave it our all. Amen? And I'm telling you, when you, when you do that, and you, you put your whole heart into something, God looks at it and calls it perfection. Man might look at it and find fault with it on the outside. It didn't meet this standard or that. But God looks past all that, looks into the heart. And when he sees a whole heart and a full commitment, and you just stay with something until your heart's satisfied with it, God says, perfect. The Almighty looks at you and says, Perfect. That's perfect. Ooh, glory to God. Can you see this? Go to James. We'll close. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Key to perfection is the whole heart. Commitment of heart. Here's another big key to perfection. James. First chapter. Let's go to verse 17 and we'll back up. James 1, 17. What does it say? Every good gift and every what? Perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. When something is from God, that's one way you know it is from Him, is because it's a perfect gift. Now, if it's in the earth, that doesn't mean that you couldn't find some flaw with it. That doesn't mean, let's say you're believing for a car, and God gave you a car. That doesn't mean you couldn't find a flaw in the paint. Right? If it was made down here, you're going to have some stuff. And you can get a scratch on a $100,000 car just like you can get a scratch on a $1,000 car. But if it's from the Lord, it'll satisfy your heart. I said it'll satisfy your heart. It'll, It'll be all that you wanted and then some. It'll be exceeding, abundantly, above, 
what you thought or asked. It satisfies your heart. Are you listening now? It satisfies your heart. The thing that comes and, and it's, it's almost what you wanted, but not. You know, it's, it's sort of. That's not the thing from the Lord. Did you hear me? And you have to watch about the enemy trying to slip substitutes in on you. Try to get you to settle for less than what God has for you. Almost. Close. No, if it's from God, it's not almost and it's not close. It's what? Perfect, which means it's complete. It, and it satisfies you. It's complete inside. You go, oh yeah, oh thank God. This is great. I'm happy. Amen? You're not looking at it going, well I guess it'll do. That's the thing that's not from the Lord. Now back up. To the uh, third verse. We started out talking about this. We'll end up talking about this. Well, let's read verse 2. It goes with it. Verse 2, James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy. How can you tell the faith folks, the faith bunch? No matter what's going on, they're smiling. People say, look at them. Do they know not, not know what's going on with them? They ain't got sense enough to worry. They go, yeah, got too much faith to worry. I've heard the wind blow before. I've seen the waves flash before. God's brought me through again and again and again. Amen. Oh, the devil's pulling a big one this time. Well, he's going to have to eat it. <laughs> Just better make it light on himself. Because before this is over, we're going to make him wish he had picked somebody else. Because we are not going to lay down and take it. We're going to stand no matter how long it takes. We're going to stand. We're going to believe God. We're going to get victory. Then we're going to tell everybody that he wasn't big enough to do it. And how they don't have to put up with it either. That's being more than a conqueror. Not only do you win, but you make the devil eat it. Again and again. And he gets so tired of hearing the testimony. And he gets so tired of hearing other people get inspired from your testimony. He just goes, man, I wish I hadn't put that on them. I should have just picked somebody that would have just died. <laughs> and the bigger the trial is and the rougher the trial is, you just got to be strong and go, huh? Just make it light on yourself, devil. Because the rougher this is, the bigger the victory is. The worse this is, the bigger the, the triumph. The bigger the triumph, the more people know about it, the bigger the glory to God. Make it light on yourself. But how do you get that victory? What do you do? You, you, you count it all joy. And verse 3 what? Knowing this. That the trying of your faith. Works. Patience. But let patience have her. Perfect. Work. That you may be. Perfect. An entire wanting nothing. Oh, this is exciting. What does it mean to have a perfect heart? There's nothing wanting in your heart commitment. 
in your heart desire. There's nothing wanting, nothing lacking. It's not a 30%. It's not a 50% heart towards God. It's not an 80% commitment. It's a 100%. It's everything you got. And is there a reciprocal? Is there a sowing and reaping in this? You let patience have its perfect and complete work. You stand and keep believing God with your whole heart. Will he not cause it to turn around so that you become complete? Lacking nothing. Missing nothing. Wanting nothing. Oh, glory to God. Friend, if it's you wait. If you're wanting to gain weight, are you wanting to lose weight? Are you wanting to shape up this natural physical thing? How are you going to get that? How are you going to get what's perfect for you? We've talked about other principles, but a big one here, patience. Patience. What does that mean? You stay after it. You keep believing. Like Phyllis said, what if you messed up last week? Don't let condemnation destroy your faith. That's the big thing. Word's still true. God's still on the throne. Faith still works. Right? Persevere. How are you going to get there? By not giving up. Not quitting. Right? That's how you're going to get there. How am I going to get at the perfect place for me financially? By not quitting. Not losing the dream. Not losing the vision. I don't care if you got bills piled up from your uh, dinner table to the ceiling. And it looks like you could never get out. That's, that's what faith is all about. You look at them and you go, none of these things move me. It may look like this now, but the time's coming. The time's coming when I will pay off every debt. The time's coming when I'll give big checks to the work of God. The time's coming when I can go buy something nice for my spouse or my children and just write a check and do it. The time's coming. See, it's it's a perseverance. It's a heart that is fully persuaded. This is the will of God for me. I can have this. He became poor so that I might be made rich. It's mine. It's not somebody who tries it half-heartedly for a month. Well, I tried that tithing six weeks. I was in worse shape when I got through than when I started. I didn't much think it'd work anyway. Is that a perfect heart? Were they ever persuaded of anything? No. You don't try things out. You become fully persuaded. You commit your heart to it wholeheartedly. You say, this is the word of God. This is the way of God. I'm living like this the rest of my life. It works. God's word works. His truth works. I'm doing this. This is how I'm living. And if months pass and you're not there, you're unmoved. If a year passes and you're not there, you're not moved. Why? How are you going to get to the perfection place? Patience. Patience. Stay after it. Stay after it. Keep your eyes on the vision. Keep saying it. Amen. (laughs) There's some people in here believe that. 
Glory to God. I'm so excited about what God's going to do with you in your finances this year. You watch. You, you watch. You see. Some people in three months from now, three months from now, completely different situation. Glory, glory to God. I'm excited. I just sense in my spirit what, what is happening in, in the people's hearts and lives. Glory to God. We're coming up to a higher place and we will hold a high standard. Amen. And let people see in us what God can do, what he will do. What he will do for you. Because there's a lot of people think that God doesn't care about. He don't care about you losing a few pounds. He don't care about money. He don't care. But he does. I said, but he does. And, and we will let people see through us. Like, like the ladies were saying. They've had many chances to witness and talk about it. Because people are saying, how'd you do that? Well, they're going to know how you went and bought a new car and paid cash for it. They're going to know how you paid your house off. 20 years early. They're going to want to know, how'd you do that? Because they think you, you found out some amazing new natural thing. And you go, well, I found this scripture. <laughs> scripture? Yeah, scripture. Yeah. The, the scripture that I saw, this truth. Amen. Yeah. Is it not a witness? It is. is it not a standard? Oh, yeah. a high, people say, I want to be like that. Yeah. I want to live like you. I want to have what you have. I want to do what you do. And you say, well, the Lord will receive you. He'll accept you. Come on in. But if it doesn't all come to pass in three days, don't fall off your chair and don't give up hope. You've got to have faith and patience. How do you get to that perfect place, the one that satisfies your heart? You've got to stay with it. Let patience have her perfect work so that you wind up perfect and entire wanting nothing. Stand on your feet, please. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.